The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Tuesday. It is Pure Opelka. It is the Blaze Radio Network, and my name is Mike Opelka. We are uh, busy today. And I, I don't know if it's good busy, busy or bad busy, but we are, in fact, busy, and there's a whole lot going on. There's, there's politics. There's intrigue. There are, there are questions to be answered. There's, there's much to be discussed. So write down the number, 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. We're in another countdown situation. That's right. We, we might need an audio countdown clock. So when we come back from break, you'd hear the robot say, one hour, 53 minutes, and 20 seconds. Beep. Till Jeff Sessions' testimony begins. Well, I'll be surprised if it starts at 2 o'clock Eastern. There's usually a little bit of pomp and circumstance, and you got to get everybody in the room. And there's also a little bit of action going on in the Senate today. So uh, you need to keep your eyes out on that. Rand Paul is forcing some some action in the Senate today. And I think the vote that they've scheduled is very close to when the uh, testimony is supposed to begin. So this is interesting. Uh, I will see I will see if I can get the comment from Rand Paul today. But there is a little bit of activity going on. I'm happy to see that the GOP is finally getting things moving. I got a message yesterday from Senator Chris Coons. He wants to talk about health care. Hmm. Why does Chris Coons, my friend who's a Democrat, who's a neighbor, why does he want to talk about health care? I think, I think it's because the GOP is moving their health care bill quietly through the Senate, and they're not including any of the Democrats. Now, that's not exactly the gracious thing to do. Remember, it was done to the Republicans. Remember, the room where all the negotiations were being handled was closed to all Republicans. At the time, Fox News even ran a, a camera that was going uh, pointed straight at the door where the 
where the Democrats were meeting and crafting their bill and not a single Republican was inside. And Fox ran just uh, a split screen or a, a picture with that in the corner. And now the GOP's doing it back to the Democrats. I don't, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I don't think that's the way you're going to actually get your bill done unless you know something that we don't. But the, the Democrats are going to mess with you. So Chris Coons wants to talk about health care. It might happen today. It might happen tomorrow. I suspect it's going to come down tomorrow. But I, I think he's waiting to see if we get a congressional budget office scoring on the bill. Because we haven't seen the bill. Nobody's seen the bill. Well, I'm sure there's some people inside the GOP who have seen the bill. Not that anyone would read the damn bill, but we'd like to see the bill. Now, what else is on? The, oh, yeah, I wake up today. Get a, I get up about 4 o'clock in the morning. I've been asleep and uh, for about four or five hours like I do every night. And I wake up and I'm thinking, all right, this is the day we've got uh, Jeff Sessions appearing before the Senate Intelligence Committee. We, uh, we could have a couple more interesting things happening. And I turn on CNN and there is Dennis Rodman. And Rodman is in Beijing, China, and everybody knew he was in Beijing, China, and he was getting ready to get on a plane to Pyongyang. And why is Rodman going to Pyongyang? Why is Dennis Rodman headed to North Korea? Well, there's only one reason, and it's money. Dennis Rodman seems to find a way to latch on to some sort of strange promotion whenever he needs money. And this time he's walking down the halls of the air, airport and he has a shirt on that says potcoin, potcoin.com. And I thought, okay, here's the sponsor. The last time I forget who it was, it was a company that put together a documentary on Dennis Rodman playing basketball the last time he was in North Korea. This time it's potcoin.com, which is known as the banking for the cannabis industry. Grow with us is their slogan. You get it? Grow with us. Potcoin, which I believe trades somewhere in the stock world under the symbol pot, P-O-T. Potcoin uh, say, says on their mission statement, that they are designed to empower, secure, and facilitate the legal cannabis community's transactions by creating a unique cryptocurrency for this thriving industry. They claim that Potcoin removes the need for cash transactions and encourages buying through consumer incentives. So it's another digital currency. They, they call this a community-based effort a decentralized autonomous organization that is made up of the Potcoin community members who determine their level of involvement, commitment, and development. Now, they, they are, these Potcoins are digital coins you can send via the internet. They claim there are advantages that Potcoins are transferred directly from person to person without going through a bank or a clearinghouse. That means the fees are lower, you can use them in every country, and your account can never be frozen. And this is based here in the USA. Well, I called my guy and said, well, tell me, 
Tell me how you feel about things like Bitcoin and Eleutheria and Potcoin. And the first word out of my guy in the financial world word's mouth was, it's gambling. Gambling. It's straight up gambling. And I thought, really? And he goes, yeah, it's gambling. And you could win or lose pretty quickly. So uh, Dennis Rodman's in touch with these guys from Potcoin. Now I've started to check and say, all right, what do I need to know about Potcoin? Well, it's based in Las Vegas. So that seems to be in sync with what uh, my, my financial wizard friend came up with. Now, in terms of gambling, since last night, since just last night, Potcoin and its value has risen 77%. So it's well over a 50% spike, well over a three quarters, 750%. It's almost at a 100% spike and could be because as more people find out about it, people are going to jump in and uh, buy themselves a little bit of pot coin. So one pot coin right now is 17 and a half cents. So if you're a you know person who's got a little mad money to throw around, they maybe say, oh, okay, buy me $1,000 worth of pot coins. So now you've got almost 5,000 pot coins. And if Dennis Rodman brings enough attention to it, maybe that spikes and maybe it becomes a thing. But let's get back to Rodman. Just to, if you want to know more about Potcoin, you can go to potcoin.com. I will, uh, I'll tweet out a link to it. Rodman is probably one of two, maybe three people in the whole wide world who have Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un on their speed dial, on their phone. Probably, and, and maybe he's the only guy. Now, the State Department knows about Dennis Rodman's visit. The State Department is well aware of Rodman is over there. But I, I, he's not in any official capaci capacity. That, that was obviously uh, told to all of us by the State Department today. No, he's not doing anything official for us. He's just there. He's just Dennis being Dennis. And then the weird part happens where this guy, this American, whose last name is Warmbier, Otto Warmbier, and it's, it's spelled W-A-R-M-B-I-E-R. It's not like warm beer, but it's pronounced that way. Uh, he was released today. Here's a guy who did something dumb in North Korea, something you would never advise anyone to do when you're in a communist dictatorship run by a, a madman. He tried to walk off with a banner, you know, one of the political propaganda banners. He was sentenced to, I believe, it was 15 years hard labor. They probably actually moved him to a hard labor facility. And now we're hearing that he's been locked up for over a year, but he's been in a coma for a year. So I don't think Dennis Rodman had anything to do with this guy getting out. I think it's it's coincidental, but the fact that he's been in a coma for over a year. This is not good for this guy, for his family, for anything. But weird that Dennis Rodman could be the guy who maybe saves the world from a nuclear North Korea. How bizarre would that be? And in a, in a kind of a 
twisted, comical, sick way, I would love for that to happen. Because then the Nobel Peace Prize would have to go to Dennis Rodman. You can't give it to Barack Obama for doing nothing. But if Dennis Rodman saves the world and and brings peace to the region and shuts down the nuclear ambitions of North Korea, you have to give him the Nobel Peace Prize. And while it would tick off Trump, it would make Barack Obama look even less significant. And can you imagine the ceremony? Can you imagine what it would look like with Dennis Rodman stepping up to accept his Nobel Peace Prize? And you know then he's going to wear the medallion, the medal that they give you. He's going to put it on a chain and wear it to every club he can get to. Interesting. I want to talk more about the release of Otto Warmbier because the um, Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, is actually taking credit for it. Considering we don't have diplomatic relations with North Korea, that's a, that's a pretty big statement. But uh, well, I, this, this just happened earlier today. And uh, Tillerson is, is letting everybody know that it's, uh, it's a real deal now in terms of the kids' health. We'll have to find out. But we'll give you an update on it as soon as... As soon as we can. Uh, we are, as I said, about a, an hour and a half away, an hour and 45 minutes away from Jeff Sessions testifying before Congress. I also have a special announcement coming up today. Uh, we might have a phone call from a gentleman who just got back from North Korea, an American who was overseas. I saw a bunch of the pictures he took. Fascinating. I wonder why he was there and I want to know what he was up to and, and who he had to report to when he got back. Because I anticipate that there's something like that going on, too. Uh, And so I did say we have a big announcement at the top of the next hour. We may talk to this guy from North Korea. We're monitoring whatever's happening with the Jeff Sessions testimony, which I think will happen. There's news about Tiger Woods. And um, there's tattoo news that might have to wait till Dr. Jorge's here tomorrow. But there's some interesting stuff going on in the in the world of science. And we'll try and get to all of it today on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I was just uh, checking up on something because Rand Paul is is talking about the health care bill 
as the president is meeting with a bunch of Republicans who are on the committee that's that's putting the Senate health care bill together. Rand Paul is saying it, the the new bill will have to greatly improve what the House delivered. So let, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what happens. And um, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson actually did make a statement on the release of American student Otto Warmbier. Well, some of you may have seen a press release that was put out just before I arrived uh, announcing that at the president's direction, the Department of State has secured the release of Otto Warmbier from North Korea. Uh, He is on his way en route home to be reunited with his family. We continue our discussions with the North Korean regime uh, regarding the release of the three other American citizens that have been detained. Uh, We have no comment on Mr. Warren Beer's condition out of respect to him and the family, uh, and that is the statement that was released. So we do know that Otto Warmbier did spend over a year in custody trying to serve out whatever sentence, the 15-year sentence, ridiculous sentence that the North Koreans slapped on him. And uh, reports are he's in a coma and has been in a coma for over a year, pretty much since he was locked up. So God only knows what happened to him. And... um, say a little prayer for Otto Warmbier. He might have done a really dumb thing, but I don't think he deserved what he got being put in likely a gulag or a hard labor camp. And we hear three other Americans. Could there be more? Yeah, there there may be a lot more. We're hearing all kinds of different numbers because you just don't know what's coming out of North Korea. One of our blaze stunt brainiacs here has... um, sent me uh, a link to a friend of his who just got back. And if we get this guy on the phone, I'll try and give you an up-close-and-personal question uh, and answer from him about what's going on. A um, few other things to discuss. The, um, the Saudi arms deal. Remember when the president made the trip that had him all over uh, North Africa? He was in the Middle East, and then he... He went to Italy and then to Brussels and then back to Italy for the G7 meetings. And the first the first leg of the trip was to Saudi Arabia. And in that first leg of the trip, the president announced this gigantic arms deal, 110 million billion, I'm sorry, 110 billion dollars in sales to Saudi Arabia. It's a lot of money. Rand Paul has raised his hand saying, I want to talk about this. I want, to, I want to discuss why we're doing this. And it's not just because he's not a fan of, of Saudi Arabia. It's because of what's happening to some of the kids in the region. You know, we always hear everything out of the Democrats for the kids. Well, Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, also Dr. Rand Paul, worries greatly about the kids who are being starved to death. And he discussed the kids in Yemen who are the victims of the region's civil wars and the fact that there are millions of kids at risk to the point of being a biblical tragedy is how he discussed it earlier. When, when we get back from the break, I want to play you what Senator Paul said. He's forcing a vote today 
Senator Rand Paul is going to force a vote today in the Senate on this topic to try and and get a vote to block the Soviets. It's happening at 225 on his resolution to oppose a portion of the proposed arms deal with Saudi Arabia. It's not just for opposing the sales to Saudi Arabia. It's also in support of our friends in Israel. Senator Paul has an op-ed piece out on this very fact, saying that if you choose Saudi Arabia and you sell Saudi Arabia arms, it also puts Israel at risk. We'll get to some of his comments just around the corner. But this is a big deal, and the vote is reportedly going to be very close, scheduled again for uh, 225 today, which is why I think Jeff Sessions' testimony and... And that hearing will not begin until after the Senate votes on the Saudi arms deal. We'll check it all out after the break. I'm Piero Pelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Just took a look in on uh, the president who is having lunch with 13 GOP senators to discuss health care. Here's a little sneak peek at what he said as they were getting ready to uh, sit down to, I guess, a working lunch. The House has passed a bill and now. The Senate is working very, very hard, and specifically the folks in this room, and I really appreciate what you're doing, to come out with a bill that's going to be a phenomenal bill for the people of our country. Generous, kind, with heart. That's what I'm saying. And that may be adding additional money into it. I'm going to come out with a real bill, not Obamacare. And the results are going to be fantastic, and hopefully it'll be announced at the appropriate time, and everyone's going to be happy. Well, I there I can guarantee you there's going to be about 48 people who won't be happy, maybe 47, because I think Joe Manchin of West Virginia might go along to get along because he's in a red state, and he faces a pretty serious challenge in 2018 to keep his Senate seat so it's going to be a tough haul. That's that's part of the problem. Um, Donald Trump admitted that that making this deal was going to be difficult because you won't get one Democratic vote. But by contrast, Republicans in Congress, uh, as hard as they're working, you have the Democrats on the other side who truly have become obstructionists, even their even their uh, new motto, resist. And I guess it's a pretty accurate motto. Every time I see it, I say, that's right. That does represent the Democrats. called resist. And it's very unfortunate. And I actually said, if we came up with the greatest health care plan or tax cut, because we're coming out with massive tax cut and tax reform, but if we came up with the greatest health care or tax cut ever 
in our country's history, we wouldn't get one Democrat vote. It's obstruction. I think he's right. I think he's right. This president has done one thing, and that is unite the Democrats. They won't, unless Manchin is the only one who defects. But they're they're holding pretty tight, as evidenced by Chuck Schumer and his leadership in the Senate. It's going to be a difficult haul no matter what. And by the way, yesterday we discussed on this very show, we discussed the the possibility, the potential of a Puerto Rican statehood. And just remember, that would mean two more senators probably going to be leaning Democrat from the island of Puerto Rico. And it could be as many as uh, five new House seats. So that would change things considerably, wouldn't it? Uh, It could make the balance of power shift from the GOP with their razor-thin margin in the Senate. So it's not going to happen overnight. Just remember that. It's not happening overnight. And it is Congress that decides. When we went away, we were talking about Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul, who is forcing a vote on the Saudi arms deal, or at least a portion of the Saudi arms deal, Rand Paul does not want us to just immediately jump in and sell the Saudis a bunch of arms. And he made a pretty strong case today, just just moments earlier before we went on the air, Rand Paul was in the Senate speechifying, and he talked about all of the kids in Yemen who were starving to death. And can you think of a worse death? starving to death on a world that has so much food and and just there is water not far from Yemen and full of food full of of vital sources of food protein and yet we have kids who are at risk here's Rand Paul and I think he makes some incredible points here the question is should we give money or arms to Saudi Arabia at all What has Saudi Arabia done over the last 30 years? They have been the number one exporter of jihadist philosophy, the number one exporter of let's hate America, let's hate Judeo-Christian ethic, let's hate the Judeo-Christian tradition. It's coming from Saudi Arabia. They teach it in the schools in our country. They teach it in the schools in Indonesia. They corrupt the religion of Islam throughout the world. And we're going to give them weapons? Powerful statements, no? And then Rand Paul shows what happens if we do agree, if we do say, yeah, let's sell, let's sell some more uh, arms to the Saudis. I think it's a huge, huge mistake. If you say, well, I doubt that, there's no way they're that bad. Don't they share with us intelligence? Don't they help us in the war on terror? Yes, every time they help us, they hurt us twofold worse. I'll give you an example. Direct from Hillary Clinton, when she's writing honestly and not talking to the public, she sends an email to John Podesta. This is one that was leaked through WikiLeaks. Hillary Clinton writing to John Podesta. She says, we must put pressure on Saudi Arabia and Qatar because they're supplying logistical and financial support to ISIL. ISIS, the group we're in the Middle East fighting again, Saudi Arabia was supplying them, according to Hillary Clinton, not indirectly, but directly. 
Does this not sound like the Fast and the Furious program on a much bigger and much more troubling scale? So the Obama administration was doing it in Mexico, south of the border, while Hillary Clinton, his secretary of state, acknowledged it, acknowledged it with the Saudis supporting ISIL. Rand Paul makes a couple more really solid points here. Who in their right mind would give money, arms, or share our technology with a country that's been supporting ISIS? Who would do that? Who would think that that's a good idea? And yet they'll come here and they'll say it's about Iran and we have to combat Iran everywhere. Guess what? This may make the situation with Iran worse. What do you think Iran thinks when Saudi Arabia gets weapons? They think to themselves, well, if the Saudis are getting more, we need more. What do you think Israel thinks? If the Saudis get more, we need more. Ever heard of an arms race? That's what this is. We are fueling an arms race in the, in the Middle East. East. Every side wants more. This is a very key point. And it's something that we need to consider and debate. We just can't show up in Saudi Arabia and sign a deal. Yes, it'd be good for American military manufacturing, but I think we need to make sure that the Senate has its hands on this because it does relate to funding and fueling wars around the world. And especially, as Senator Paul pointed out, this, this is about those kids, millions of kids in Yemen. Yemen. Yemen is a crap hole on the planet. Let's not kid ourselves. And you know what? Terror and fueling this war is never going to help Yemen get itself out of that. So this is something to watch today. While the rest of the world is paying attention to the grilling of the attorney general on his relationship with the president, his meetings with the Russians, the discussions of why and how Jim Comey was fired. Oh, I forgot. I'm not supposed to say Jim Comey. I'm supposed to say James Comey. Months ago, everybody was saying Jim Comey. Now it became James, and I'm rude if I don't say James. It's Comey, the former FBI director. But while the whole world is watching this in an hour and 15 minutes or whatever time it's going to be, Rand Paul is going to force a vote on the Senate on the arms deal. And I'm, I'm hoping we can at least get some of the details on that. I'm hoping we can get some of the information about it. Very interesting. Stepping away from the politics, when we get back, I need to talk about, well, it's kind of like network television politics, isn't it? The Alex Jones story. I posted a vital question on Twitter earlier today, and I'd love to know what you think about it. I posted a very important vital question on Twitter relating to the Alex Jones story. There is a loud call for NBC to pull it. What say you? Currently, 84% of you say NBC should air it. 11% of you say pull the interview and 5% cannot make up your minds. I want to talk about this because a major sponsor has weighed in and made a statement about the Alex Jones interview. Where do you stand on it? 888 Should NBC pull the Megyn Kelly-Alex Jones interview? 
What do you think? We'll discuss next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. The phone number 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. Lisa in Florida is on the phone wanting to talk about Mr. Trump and the Democrats. Welcome to the program, Lisa. Just wondering, he's been in office now for five, since whenever. Uh, five months, maybe. How do you think Donald Trump now views the Democrats? Because he used to be a Democrat. I mean, that's all that they're doing. I, that's a really interesting question. And yeah, Donald Trump was a registered Democrat for many, many years. And, uh, you know, he he still to some exhibits some tendencies of that party. And I think there are many in the party, like Chuck Schumer, who would like to woo him back. But uh, right now, Chuck has to become his enemy. I wonder if there are any Democrats in, in the House or the Senate who've actually made an impression on the president that isn't negative. Because they're pretty united right now, Lisa. And I think that's the, the, the thing that would prevent him from aligning with any one of them. They have held their base together. But don't you think that what I'm seeing him going, is this pushing him to do more of what the Republicans want and hopefully more the conservatives because he's cheesed off with what the Democrats are doing to him? Yeah, that's a really good point that if there was any hope, and, and this is where I think the Democrats are screwing up. Uh, the Democrats had a chance, I thought, to maybe do a little charm offensive, but they chose not to. They chose to go totally against no, everything the president came out with, no matter what it was. And they united as a, as a party behind the fact that Hillary was wronged. And things like the Chuck Schumer parody of yesterday's cabinet meeting, I think it's, it's perceived as mean by the general population. Yeah, there'll be some Democrats who think it's great, but the fact that the Democrats as a whole don't respect the the man in the White House and they don't respect the office of the president right now, the way they're treating it. I think that could be a backlash against him. And I think if they actually hoped to get some sort of connection to President Trump, I think they missed the opportunity. I think they totally screwed up. Yeah, I agree. I'm hoping that they can push just a little harder and Mitch McConnell can actually get together and, and Paul Ryan and get them to get something going. It just, I'm, I'm, I would love to be a fly on the wall though, because I I bet he's, I, I would, I would assume that he was very hurt and very disenfranchised by them. By, by who? By Paul Ryan and uh, Mitch McConnell? No, by the Democrats and what they're doing. I would assume Trump feels very disenfranchised by them now. 
and that's, same with his family, who were who are still registered Democrats, I believe. Well, I think they all shifted in in the run up to the election. There were some discussions of whether or not Ivanka had changed. A lot of them hadn't registered in time to vote. That was the other thing, is that I think it was at least two of the four kids who are of voting age did not register in time, and that causes a problem. That's an embarrassment when your kids aren't able to vote for you. But we'll yeah. see. We'll keep. I'll bet you they're registered for midterms. <laughs> Anybody want to yes, guess on that one? <laughs> well, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. And keep up the good work. I love all. I love all of your shows. I listen to you actually twice a day. I miss you part in the morning, and I figure finish picking it up in the evening. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you so much. We appreciate you, Lisa, in Florida. Take care. God bless. Uh, I didn't get to my discussion of of um, that jack wagon, Alex Jones. I will get to that. And if you're an Alex Jones fan and you take exception to my lack of appreciation for your guy, I'm sorry, but you're welcome to call in and tell me where I'm wrong. But I think he's... I think he's crazy and dangerous and rude and so many things. But I also don't want his program, his interview with Megyn Kelly pulled. I'll tell you why. We'll get into that. But just around the corner, uh, our friend Scotty Nell Hughes is going to be joining us. I think she might have some kind of an announcement to make or some kind of hint that there might be an announcement to make. And We'll get to that after the news here on Pure Opelka. Come on back. Opelka. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Michael Pelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Second hour of Pure Opelka. Still so much to cover today. I I have non-politics news to get to today, and we will get to it, uh, but we have some of the politics to talk about, and I have some stupid news, too, that we will talk about. And some of the stupid news drifts over into the politics news, so you get a double dose of that, which is why it's called Pure Opelka. Still an hour away from the pre-show of the Jeff Sessions <laughs> grilling. Uh, before we get to our guest, Scotty Nell Hughes, I have great news. If you happen to be uh, named Opelka or a fan of my nephew who plays tennis, young Riley Opelka upset, not upset, but he did. He crushed his opponent in uh, Nottingham today in England. He's trying to win a spot in the Wimbledon tournament coming up in a couple of weeks. But he beat another American, 7664. So good for you, Riley. And all the Riley fans who keep up with his, his exploits as a 19-year-old trying to break into the world of pro tennis, uh, thank you for your support. He's a really good kid. 
I, I get messages from him virtually every single day, and he hears from you guys on Twitter. So thank you. Uh, joining me now is someone who's been a, a regular to this show and somebody who's always been there if and when I needed her to be a, a part of a discussion. So I call that friendship. I call that someone who's reliable. And I know that there are days that she didn't want to be on this show because she was either tired or worn out or just exhausted from all the stupidity of the last two years on the campaign trail. But she's always been there. And I don't think I recall her ever saying no. And I'm very happy she's available to talk to us today. Scotty Nell Hughes is with us, I guess, from Tennessee today. No, actually, I'm in Florida. Um, I just took a step off down here. I brought my parents and my children. And just like you, first of all, congratulations to Ryan. I'm one of those Opelka tennis fans and have been just amazed to watch how not only your family continue to show support, but how that family is now extended amongst your fan base as we kind of are all cheering for Ryan because uh, I think we all feel like he's like our nephew because you're such a proud uncle. Yeah, I have proud uncle syndrome, and, and I still call him Little Riley, even though he's seven feet tall now, and he's just <laughs> it's just ridiculous standing next to him. I feel like a, a tiny kid, but thanks, Scotty. So, Scotty, uh, interesting day today. There's a, I would ask you uh, questions on a myriad topics, but I'm, I'm mm-hmm. leafing through the Tennessean today, you know, the newspaper out of your home state. <laughs> And I'm reading about the upcoming governor's race because there are a bunch of people who are thinking about getting into the race. And one of them that I hear is is thinking about getting into the governor's race is Diane Black, who represents the 6th District in your state and represents it very well. And then I hear if Diane Black jumps into the governor's race, then somebody I know might be considering a run for the House somebody whose name rhymes with Madi Bell Booze. Do you, do, you, do you have any idea who I'm talking about? Uh, I, think I, I think I do. I think I have quite a clue. Here's the deal, Mike. It's just like you. Every day we go out there and we want to be a voice and a fighter for the people. And I have been that way since the day I was born to a certain extent, but mainly especially since I got into talk radio at an early age right out of college. And there is an opportunity, and I've been approached to seize upon that opportunity with our, my congresswoman, Diane Black, possibly running for governor. And there's a good chance that's going to happen. But the dominoes start with her. And I want, I want my congresswoman, who is uh, the first female chair of the Budget Committee, and I'm very proud of her, uh, I want her to feel like she's making the best decision for her family, for her constituents, for the state of Tennessee. And so that's why, you know, my, any opportunity, any discussions that I have is really weighing upon, I want her to make the decision for herself. And, uh, and for her, she's kind of the first domino that needs to fall. But the truth is, look at the stories. They kind of all tie in together. Mike, look at what we're hearing today coming out of Washington, D.C. First of all, the circus around uh, General Sessions, that they're going to try to play this up when he has done nothing wrong. And I am so glad it's going to be public that we might have an end to this whole Russia collusion uh, fake news narrative. But then the more important story that's coming out is that you're seeing that nearly 2 million fell off the Obamacare coverage roll through mid-March, leaving only 10.3 million people covered by health insurance. And I know your listeners, just like me, have probably had an issue with health insurance trying to get it, and it is near impossible right now. We have a major problem going on with our health insurance 
uh, program in the United States today. And we have got to have someone up there that's going to continue to fight so that everyday Americans, tax-paying middle-class Americans, can get good insurance and be able to see their doctors, but not at the total cost of the rest of the country um, or any of our very important programs. So there's a lot of things going on in D.C. right now uh, that makes me consider this this potential opportunity. Have you, obviously you've thought this out a little bit, what is it like talking to your family about possibly running for Congress? What What is that conversation like? And is there pushback? And uh, just how do you approach it? It's a total family. I can't do this without my family. And by my family, I'm talking about those legally bound to me, but more importantly, on those that even extend outside of our, our home address. Um, if You know, just like President Trump, and they're, they're used to this. They knew this potentially could be coming because they knew when President Trump made his campaign promises in 2016, and I put my name defending it, and I went out there and made those promises as well, they know me. They know I'm not just a person that of words. I have to put action behind my words. I have to see things through. And so whether that's staying in journalism, whether that's continuing as I am as spokeswoman for defending the president's uh, PAC, or actually getting into the halls of Congress and trying to make sense of it, they knew that I was not going to rest until I felt like I had fulfilled my words to the people I gave it to. And that's how I've always been um, with whatever issue that might be. They're going to be behind it, um, but they're definitely, they understand that, when I do things, I do it 100 percent. And so I would involve my children on the campaign trail. I'd involve my husband, who's a phenomenal supporter of, the, uh, of me. And, and it would be truly a, a realistic approach to campaigning. I'm not going to change. I'm going to be who I've always been because I haven't changed yet. So why start now? No, you, you have been exactly the same person I've known for going on six plus years at this point and nothing has changed and and it's been consistent and that's one of the things i respect about you we're talking to scotty nell hughes you know her from being a, someone who's been a trump supporter from the early days you know her before that from her association with our friends at politichicks you know her from her book roar the new conservative woman speaks out. I can't believe that book's been out for three years, but it is out there. You can find it on Barnes and Noble. So, Scotty, I know I know who you are because I've, as I said, I've known you from day one. A conservative woman, but a strong conservative woman, a person who's a mom, a person who's a wife, and a person who does seem to either have two clones or the secret to boundless energy, which I would like to know what the heck it is. Yeah, well, ask your nephew right now, because Ryan's obviously putting out a lot of energy to everywhere he's running. No, it's called we're, we're fighting for freedom. We're fighting for our country. And 2016 sent a strong message in November. But that fight has just begun. The battles have just become. And if you've looked at all of the horrible things happening to conservatives in this country, uh, whether you're talking about abuse, whether you're talking about damage to Republican headquarters, uh, we have to stand up and we have to show that we're not going to back down or be intimidated back into being the silent majority. We need to continue to be the loud majority. And so I would not change um, going to D.C. And I've never necessarily been the popular kid. You can ask my friends in high school. And so I would not be going up there to get invited to the, the cool parties. I would be more concerned about making sure that every day a hardworking American's voice would be heard, um, even if that meant me being kicked off a few people's Christmas card list. Well, I think that's okay. On um, in terms of yeah, uh, timeline, 
What what uh, what's the timeline for Congresswoman Black to have to make her decision? Well, she, you know, obviously it's a very important budget year uh, with the president's first budget. So she probably would want to make sure that that was seen through um, and make sure that, that that was passed. You know, anywhere up to next January, she has she has some flexibility to decide and to make her decision. And uh, then, you know, like I said, the dominoes fall. And the key in all of this is I would not be running against anybody. I'd be running for the people of the 6th District and beyond. And so there's other names being circulated around. And I think it's, you know, that, that would be great. But I'm not running against anyone else. I'm running for. And, that, and that's the, the big difference, I think, in a politician and a person um, is that a politician is running against folks. I'm running just for for what I've always said that I believe in and what I believe this country was built on and for the American American family. Scotty, when when we look at things like this, if we look at even just the consideration of this, my mind goes to the 6th district in Georgia where we had a seat open, a Republican seat open that's been fairly reliably Republican although the demographics are shifting in that district and it's getting a little more purple, if you will. And, and the Democrats have poured millions and millions of dollars into that seat. We, we're still thinking it's a toss-up until the 20th when the special election happens. Would the same thing happen with this district seat if it becomes vacated or available uh, in, in 2018, would the same thing happen? Is that district reliably red or is it also one of these districts that's uh, in flux? Uh, the 6th District of Tennessee is as red as the red and the red, white and blue. It is okay, solid. Good. There's 17 counties that make up the district. And so whoever wins the primary more than likely is, has been the candidate, will be the candidate. I mean, Diane Black being chair of budget, there's a reason why. Uh, there's strong support. In fact, the number one county that went for President Trump is in this district, uh, and that's Clay County. So there's a lot of great, you know, this is a very solid conservative Republican uh, base, which is wonderful for me, considering I've been raised right. I've never, ever not been a Republican since the day I was born and have always fought for behind the scenes or, you know, more in the public eye for good candidates to be elected. And I never wanted to run for office, Mike. I never wanted to have my name on the ballot. In fact, I've lost every election that I ran for, and that was back in high school and in college, just because I'm one of those that have always been such a team player. But the case right now is that we need to continue. Uh, we need to have good, strong support. But more importantly, um, as this, this, we can see, continue to see the assault um, from the left, uh, when we're looking at 2018, and they're saying the candidates are going to be beat down because of who it, because President Trump. I think it's the exact opposite. And so, having a strong showing with the sixth congressional district as Republicans, whoever the nominee will be, I think will be one of those to fight back any of the narrative that you're seeing coming out of some of those more purple-esque districts, like what we see in Georgia. I certainly appreciate the way you think. I love being able to pick your brain. And find out what you're seeing and what you're thinking, because it, it helps me get a better understanding overall. And uh, look, if Scotty Nell Hughes decides to get into this race, if the opportunity becomes available and she does it, she's already been parodied on SNL. She's already had uh, a lot of people on the left try and fire shots at her, verbal shots at her, written insults. So I, I think Scotty's battle tested, if nothing else. <laughs> And uh, I don't worry about your conservative principles in any way, shape or form. You know that uh, when the time comes, I hope you'll let this audience know what's happening. And I hope we can uh, 
be there to help support a good conservative if that opportunity makes itself available. Thank you, Mike. And I value you and your audience because, more importantly, I value their feedback. I value what the problems they're addressing every day are the problems that I'm addressing every day, and I want to make sure that we work to help the fix. So I, I value you. I value your audience immensely in this fight, and I would not do it without your support. Well, thank you, my friend. You will have it. I don't even know if anybody else will be running. I don't even know if you'll be running, but I'll be here when the time comes, so just let me know. Thank you, and I appreciate it. And thank you for all that you and the Blaze continues to do because it's your voice that keeps people engaged and holds politicians accountable for the actions they're doing in D.C., and that's, that's the most important part right now. Okay, now you know we'll do that to you too, but now you have to go hang out with your parents and your kids and have some fun in Florida. I will try my best. That's, uh, that's the easy part of the job. <laughs> Thanks, Scotty. I really appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. There she goes. Scotty Nell Hughes, possible congressional candidate in 2018. I know it's June of 2017. We barely gotten the Trump White House on its feet. And I'm already talking about 2018. We have to be aware the Democrats are. And right now we have to take a break. We'll be right back. I'm Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I realize it's speculation, but you know what? Somebody like Scotty Nell Hughes would be a great asset in Congress, especially for those of us who are conservatives from the early days of the Tea Party. Before I get back into that, I need to remind you of this phone number. Write this down. 800 500 8384. So simple. 800-500-8384. That's the number that helped change my life. That's relief factor. That's where you get the all-natural anti-inflammatory that has helped me. It's helped Brad Staggs. It's helped thousands of people. It's helped people that listen to this radio show. And what it does, the combination of these all-natural ingredients Eliminates the irritation, the inflammation in your joints. At least it did for me on day eight. And this is going on 14 weeks now. And I don't take any over-the-counter painkillers. I don't take prescription painkillers. I only take all-natural relief factor. If you have pains in your joints, in your knees, in your back, your neck, why are you living with pain? Try the three-week quick start pack for $19.95. Just try it. Give them a call. Ask them all the questions you want. 800-500-8384. Go to relieffactor.com. Get the information. 
I take it at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's already prepackaged, ready to go. You don't have to figure out why I have to take one of those and one of No, it's set to go. And then get back to your life. I'm playing golf. I'm working more in the garden. I'm, I'm there, and I know the reason why is Relief Factor. So check it out, relieffactor.com. Michael Pelka on the Puro Pelka. We have much to talk about today. We have we have a story that that I need more time to get to, the Alex Jones story. And I don't know if there's an Alex Jones fan in this audience. You're welcome to call and tell me why why you're upset or you're happy about the Megyn Kelly interview, the upcoming Megyn Kelly interview. The mayor of New York City has said he does not want the interview to run. And if you listen to Bill uh, O'Reilly with Glenn Beck earlier today, I believe O'Reilly was saying he didn't want it to run because he did not, he did not want anybody doing anything that would upset the families who lost a child or a, or a family member at, at Sandy Hook at the massacre of Sandy Hook, and, and there are people who lost family members on 9-11. And Alex Jones has said some pretty insulting things about both of those events. But O'Reilly said he wouldn't, he wouldn't have interviewed the guy. He wouldn't have given him the light of day. But now the interview exists. And there are calls to get rid of it. And a matter of fact, there's a pretty large business, a sponsor that has pulled out. And I want to talk about that. I want to get into the reasons why this company says they can't support it. And I'm a client of this company and I'm not happy that they have made this decision. I realize as a, a libertarian that uh, it's their it's their uh, decision. The free market affords them the opportunity to support or deny support of anybody they want. But it also affords me the opportunity to decide where I'm going to spend my money. So we'll talk about the Alex Jones interview. I'd love to hear from you. 888-933-93-888-900-3393. Are you for or against the airing of the Alex Jones interview. And are you an Alex Jones fan? Get a hold of me. We'll discuss next. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Piero Pelka again. Uh, I would be really surprised if there were, there were an Alex Jones fan listening to this show, uh, unless you were being told to monitor the Blaze Radio Network by Alex Jones. I I don't see any reason why we're on different planets. Uh, we operate in different spheres. Uh, this one. This one's got a lot of truth in it. This one tries to have fun, yes, but we also we don't resolve resolve uh, we don't dissolve into this fog of insanity 
that I think has actually taken a hold of of the Alex Jones world, of the InfoWars world. You know, I know you've heard some of it, but this this was the promo that ran, the Megyn Kelly promo about her interview with Alex Jones. And I'm going to stop and start it, yeah, because it's worth stopping and starting. But I also believe it's it's okay. I believe it's okay. And there are some people who've been having a discussion with me. Do you think it's all right to give this guy the legitimacy of being on network television on a show that should be pretty highly rated? This was from Megyn Kelly's NBC promo. Is authoritarianism knows humanity's awakening and it's moving against humanity on a planetary scale. The great global battle for the future of our species is being fought right now. So just that alone. Somebody believes the great global battle being fought for the future of our species is going on right now. Just that statement. That that tells you there's something else going on here. Let's see if I can get a little deeper on this. Instead, people get very angry. Yeah, well, that's all I know. But Sorry, Shamond, I missed that. Did you do we have a call? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm getting there. Get angry about the half million dead Iraqis from the sanctions, or they don't get angry about all the That's illegal. That's a dodge. No, 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 it's not a dodge. The media never covers all the evil wars it's promoted. All the that big doesn't things. excuse what you did and said uh, about Newtown. Uh, uh, you know it. I, here, here's the difference. I looked at all the angles of Newtown, and I made my statements long before the media even picked up on it. We didn't get any of the really important stuff. What do you? Alex Jones saying to Megyn Kelly after he talks about conspiracy theories of 9-11. Alex Jones, after he talks about a conspiracy theory about Sandy Hook, saying that there were actors involved and there were uh, that it didn't actually happen, that they used footage of dead children from previous massacres. And then he says we didn't get to the good stuff and unleashes this. And Megyn Kelly kind of can't even believe it. We talk about all the important stuff. Well, here's the big one they always make fun of me. You probably want to throw this in there. 30 years ago, they began creating animal-human hybrids. Isn't that the big story Megyn Kelly should be doing? He's authoritarian. 30 years ago, they be began creating animal-human hybrids. Animal-human hybrids. Isn't that the big story Megyn Kelly should be doing? Isn't that the big story Megyn Kelly should be doing? Okay. I was going to say, and Shamont just whispered the same thought in my ear. Are we to believe that the government created Mothman? Or is, is Alex Jones a creation of the government? I understand what Bill O'Reilly said today to Glenn Beck. And it surprises me that Bill O'Reilly had that take. Because sometimes I see Bill O'Reilly as a little more calloused, a little more rough. But that side of Bill O'Reilly saying, you know, I wouldn't want one of those families from Sandy Hook to feel bad. And I don't think giving this guy a few minutes on network television is an awful thing. I think it exposes him for what he is, a jack wagon. I think it shows the people the real Alex Jones, and he's going to say, if he doesn't like it, guess what he's going to say to his followers? Well, they, they did a hatchet job on me. 
they took the tapes and they cut it up to make me look like an idiot. No, no, that's not true. He's already come out and said they lit it so I would look crazy. They lit it like a Halloween video. So he's already distancing himself from this. But I do think it's okay. And some of the points that Glenn Beck brought up today, I think are very important. That if, if, you, if you don't show this, you're, you're also giving him power. But Glenn talked about, well, we've had interviews with Charles Manson. We've had interviews with other killers like this. And we would have interviewed Osama bin Laden. I absolutely believe it. Before the Twin Towers came down, we were chasing bin Laden. And he was openly talking about taking America down. So why wouldn't you run this? Here's a guy who has White House press credentials. Here's a guy who's talked to the president. Especially those on the left, I think, would, would be all for this. Now, I mentioned there was a, a big company that said, um, we're going to pull the money out. A major advertiser was repulsed, reportedly. The story's on theblaze.com right now. Major advertiser, quote, repulsed, close quote, by Megyn Kelly controversy, pulls ad from NBC. Kristen Lemkow, who is a, a big marketing officer, chief marketing officer with J.P. Morgan Chase, said, as an advertiser, I'm repulsed that Megyn Kelly would give a second of airtime to someone who says Han Sandy Hook and Aurora are hoaxes. Why? And I wrote to Kristen Lemkow because uh, we're, we're Chase clients. We have been in business with Chase for 25 years. Had mortgages with Chase. Have, money, have a 401k with Chase. Have an, a retirement account with Chase. At least today. You see, I, I don't agree with this. And I, I get it, Ms. Lemkow. You're, you are, as chief marketing officer, you are charged with placing advertising dollars where you see it best represents your interest as a company and you want to associate with certain programs. So what are you saying here? That you want to make sure that journalism is somehow restricted? Well, that's, if that's the case, then I understand where you come from. It's your right to do that as a private company. It's my right as a private citizen to make a decision on where I do business as well. And I think that's really, I think that's really missing out here. Now, if Ms. Lemkow, or however you say your name, Lemkow, if Kristen Lemkow had said, I watched it, and I don't agree, I don't think it deserves the time of day, I'd be much more interested in her doing what she said. But I think this is, once again, another example of somebody reacting to the whispering in the hallway. This is, once again, another reaction to a Twitter storm that may or may not be absolutely valid. But taking your action without seeing the segment, I think is incorrect. So I would encourage this woman. She has not responded back to me. I would encourage Ms. Lemkow to 
look before you leap next time. You can be repulsed by it, but maybe, just maybe, Megyn Kelly's segment would make a lot more people repulsed by this guy. And I can see, I, I believe that none of Alex Jones's fans listen to this show. And that's why I believe none of them will call in. So it is what it is. But I, I just hope we get to see the whole thing. And I would hope there's more to it. I hope there'll be a, a deeper dive on who Alex Jones is. Certainly been entertaining the way, uh, the way Glenn and Pat and Stu have, have dealt with Alex Jones. If you go back to the wonderful world of Stu, I think it was about three or four weeks ago when they ran the, the I'm, I'm using air quotes here, the documentary looking into whether or not Alex Jones and the late Bill Hicks are the same person. Um, I knew Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks was a funny guy. Bill Hicks was a real talent. Alex Jones to me is a, he's a marketing tool. And I'll leave it at that. Mike Opelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, the news world is waiting with bated breath for two o'clock to happen. So on the East Coast, so everybody can get ready for Jeff Sessions testifying on the Russia probe and the Comey hiring. They're all showing the door where Jeff Sessions will come out and walk across the hall to the hearing room. It's just so much. Are we making this more than it is? Yes. It's just too much, people. And meanwhile, Rand Paul at 225 is going to be holding a vote about the, the reported $109, $110 billion deal with Saudi Arabia. It just makes me want to, makes me want to scream. Rand Paul says we need to have a discussion before we give all these arms, before we sell all these arms to the Saudis, because we're not sure if it's going to be a good idea for our really good friends, Israel. We're not sure if it's going to be a really smart idea for the Saudis to have all these weapons, because it will literally force the Israelis to beef up their weapons. So I'm interested to see what happens. I'm interested to see if they will slow down the start of this hearing before this vote happens at uh, 225 Eastern. You know, these things never start on time. And the other thing, can we please do what I what I've suggested? And I've said it to more than one senator and one congressman. Can we hold these hearings with everybody standing up? That would be my number one priority. Because then we stop all the bloviating, all the BSing, all the butt kissing and all of the uh, all the party line crap. And the second thing, media. The, the people with the still cameras, 
you know you can turn off the clicking. Virtually none of those cameras are film cameras anymore. They're all digital cameras. They're all probably three to $5,000 digital cameras that can hold a bazillion pictures. And the clicking you hear is not necessary. You can turn that off. But no, nobody wants to be the one to do it. They all want their clicking to be heard. So, so maddening. All right. Uh, I've got a little bit of... um, different news that we should discover and talk about when we talk about things going on. Uh, Tiger Woods is going to rehab. Tiger Woods, who did not have alcohol in his system when he was arrested for driving under the influence or operating a motor vehicle under the influence, but he does face the prospect of losing the joint custody of his two children. I think they're eight and nine years old. But he's going back to rehab. He's checked into the, uh, the Jupiter, Florida Medical Center, reportedly reserved the entire, the entire part of the, uh, of the inpatient center for men. They separate the patients, men and, and women, at this um, drug addiction center. According to Radar Online, he is going to be there for 28 days. And I hope he gets well. Look, Tiger Woods, one of the most exciting athletes that we watched in golf forever. And then his fall from grace has been nothing short of painful. But when he told cops he had taken Xanax, it earlier uh, in, and earlier in the evening had also taken Vicodin, the combination of the two appears to have put him in the situation he was in when the cops found him in his banged-up Mercedes-Benz in Florida. Nobody wants to see a parent get taken away from their kids, especially when it's for pills, this kind of addiction to Vicodin, Ambien, Xanax, whatever it was. Let's hope he can get his life straightened out and get his kids back in his life. This is a sign that, that we all should realize just how difficult this opioid addiction is in our country. Here's a guy who's got everything. Here's a guy who's got money and fame and athletic ability, and yet he can't get past it. He can't get past the pre- prescription drug addiction issue. It, it will be one of the biggest things that holds us back from becoming the great nation again, as the president wants us to become, unless we can solve this problem. And I really had hoped that, that uh, New Jersey's Chris Christie would have taken that key from the campaign. Remember when he was so, so emotional on the campaign trail? I think that would have driven him to a better place in the election. And maybe maybe he'll use his post-governor time to uh, work on opioid addiction. But in any case, best of luck, Tiger Woods. Hopefully we'll see you in 28 days and you'll be better. But we also need to put the nation on a similar program. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. If you're not sure when you should listen to the Blaze Radio. 
Here are some ideas. While enjoying family game night. While ordering your venti soy no whip latte. While photoshopping wedding pictures. Pretty much any time is a good time to listen to the Blaze Radio. Check out our live shows. Hi there, it's Doc, Chris, and Cal from the Morning Blaze. Podcasts. 100 Days of Trump. Because it's been an exciting 100 days. And on-demand programming. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on the Blaze Radio Network. All at theblaze.com slash radio. The IRS is the most feared agency in the world. You've heard ads from other companies. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Third hour of the program today as we're awaiting Attorney General Jeff Sessions to speak. I just got a strange message, and I thought, hold on a second. Wait a minute. Could this be real? It's from Senator Chris Coons, and it said it is Attorney General Sessions' job to be here today. The fact that he has chosen not to testify and skip this hearing is unacceptable. And I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second here. This was Senator Chris Coons, who's a member of the Judiciary Committee and the Appropriations Committee. And uh, that was the earlier hearing. It, it freaked me out for a minute because I'm watching the hearing room filling up that the Intelligence Committee, and they're all milling about waiting for the people to sit in their chairs. I don't think this is going to start for a while. Like I said, uh, Senator... Senator uh, Rand Paul has pushed a vote on whether or not we're going to sell those arms to the Saudis. And so this story from earlier, it it makes it sound like Chris Coons is saying that uh, Jeff Sessions is not going to testify. He put out this statement. Here's the opening of this little statement he just sent me. And I I, I got a uh, a little freaked out there for a minute. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein, thank you for being here today. Obviously, you're here because Attorney General Sessions abruptly canceled his commitment uh, to appear before this committee. It is Attorney General Sessions' job to be here today, and the fact that he has again chosen to skip this hearing uh, is unacceptable. And the Attorney General, I believe, has chosen to skip this hearing today in order to avoid difficult questions about the scope of his recusal, uh, questions which have already been asked of you by several senators, but I'll attempt to explore it a little bit more further. So maybe, just maybe, Senator Coons, my neighbor, my friend, maybe the, uh, the attorney general is pointing out the fact that there are too many damn hearings about the same thing and we're just wasting a lot of time. And I don't think it's the attorney general's job, as you have said, to be in your hearing. It's the attorney general's job to be the attorney general of the United States. So just calm down a little bit, Senator Coons. I like you as a, as a poison, but this is a little much. This is a little too much drama. So we'll let you know when, when we get something out of attorney general, Jeff Sessions, something could be happening and, and we'll see. Um, There's more news 
There's more news on the North Korean story that we have to keep following. The Otto Warmbier story, which I believe is already up on the blaze. And, and it's, uh, it's, they're showing that Warmbier, Otto Warmbier got, got sick and they gave him a pill and he immediately went into a coma. Apparently they thought he had some uh, botulism poisoning and they took this pill and went into a coma. It's kind of frightening that he's been in a coma for a year and nobody knew about it. But then that's the, the reality of a closed administration like that. All right, before the break, we were talking about Tiger Woods going into a 28-day rehab. And this 28-day rehab is because of Tiger Woods' addiction, as he claims, to, um, to pills, to painkillers. He's, he's got what I guess we could say, I have to make sure, I guess we could say it's an opioid addiction. Maybe it's not an opioid, but it's painkillers. Woods has already been treated in 2009, remember, for sex addiction, but now he's, he's also underwent rehab in Arizona in 2010 for an addiction to Vicodin and Ambien. So Tiger Woods obviously has an addiction problem. This is Xanax and Vicodin. So, yeah, it's an opioid addiction issue. And, again, we pointed out that the opioid addiction problem in this country does not know any economic, socioeconomic boundaries. It has nothing to do with gender. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with just a drug more than likely being overprescribed. And yesterday, Chris Christie, the guy who, who I thought had his opportunity to actually break through in the campaign when he talked about the friend he lost to addiction and how emotionally he got. And it was the only time he really came out of his tough guy pose to really have a human moment. Chris Christie was at the Morristown Medical Center in New Jersey, and he's out of a job, basically. Chris Christie is term limited out. He's leaving in, uh, leaving the state in a pretty tough way. New Jersey's not exactly on good footing. But the, the lame duck governor, as he is called, was talking to a bunch of doctors at the Morristown Medical Center. And he was doing what, what every politician really should be doing, and that is stressing to the doctors that the overprescription of painkillers has some responsibility to what's going on with the opioid drug abuse that is going all over the country. The opioid drug abuse that is pushing many people out of their lives and their families and their homes and their jobs and into a world of addiction that that ends up in a real bad place. The heroin problem that is currently sweeping the country, not just the and the heroin problem is because heroin is cheap and available and the heroin problem has led us to the fentanyl problem. There are too many times we are burying people too young because of this problem. There are too many families destroyed. Christie is Donald Trump's opioid czar. And he said that Jersey, New Jersey, had nearly 1,600 people overdosed in 2015. 
Those are the most recent numbers they have. That's double the national rate. Double the national rate. And he talks about the fact that there is a stigma attached to the opioid addiction. And it's the same stigma, according to Christie, that was first attached to the HIV AIDS crisis. That stigma attached to that disease caused us to spend less money researching treatments. It caused us not to discuss it. They kept it in the dark. And because it was in the dark, more people were getting it. See, this is the parallel he's drawing between the early days of the HIV AIDS problem in this country, that there was a stigma about it. So we didn't talk about it. We just kept our heads in the sand. And as a result, there was not any real action on finding treatments for HIV AIDS. And there were more cases coming up because we didn't talk openly about how to stop it. We were afraid to talk openly about how to stop it. Christie continued his discussion with these doctors on the problem of opioids. They don't need to hear from somebody like me, and quite frankly, they don't need to hear from somebody in a white coat. They need to hear from someone who has been where they are. And the point is, he wants people who were addicts and managed to get their lives on track to tell them that you can break it, you can break the cycle. But I think one of the more important things here that Christie is missing, and maybe he addressed it earlier in the in the presentation, in the, in the discussion, one of the things that he needs to bring up is the overprescribing of painkillers, the overprescribing of these powerful opioids that in a very short period of time can have somebody addicted. And while, while the addiction in the early days is beatable, the longer it stays and the doctors will keep prescribing opioids and people are doctor shopping to find a doctor who will give them the prescription they need. The longer it goes, the deeper the addiction gets drilled inside that person's body. And it's a physical addiction. And I wonder really if 28 days will be enough for Tiger Woods. I don't know. But the opioid problem is one of the larger problems we have. And at least it feels like we're starting to talk about it. In this tiny state of Delaware, our shooting rates have gone through the roof. Our murder rates are sky, skyrocketing. As a matter of fact, Wilmington, Delaware has, because of the numbers of homicides here, has earned the title, the dubious title of Murder Town USA. So much so that ABC TV actually has a show in production called Murder Town USA. And people here are both excited and offended. They're excited because ABC is going to come here and do some production here. And it's going to be Jada Pinkett Smith as the, as the uh, district attorney who's trying to solve the problem of all the murders. And there's a huge opioid addiction component to it. And there are people who are offended and don't want Delaware to be on the map as Murder Town USA. Don't want Wilmington to be Murder Town USA. And yet there it is. There's nothing you can do. It is what it is. So there's my thoughts on the opioid addiction crisis. Um, I know people who are dealing with it. 
I know people who are struggling. I know people who are this close to losing everything because they can't break it. And we have to talk about it. We have to do something about it. And speaking of talking about it, um, there's some more madness out of MSNBC. And there was some madness out of um, Chuck Schumer's office. And this morning, very, very, very early this morning, I caught CNN with a little bit of fake news. And I called him out on it. And I actually got a response from the anchor at CNN. And we went back and forth a little bit. I think we're going to agree to disagree. But I'll play you the example. As a matter of fact, before we go to break, why don't I play you a little bit of the example of what I think is um, incorrect journalism, bad idea journalism. This is from the top of the four o'clock hour on the East Coast in New York today. Table. And it's being called the weirdest cabinet meeting of all time. President Trump's cabinet secretaries all taking turns to lavish compliments on the president. What is happening here? Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Early Start. I'm Dave Briggs. Well, basically, it's child psychology 101 being practiced <laughs> on a 70-year-old man. It was so weird, I watched it twice. Just to make sure that it was as weird as I thought it was, it and it was. I'm Christine Romans. Uh, it is 4 a.m. in the East. Today could That's be one Christine of the most Romans and days. Dave Briggs. Uh, did you spot it? Well, we'll break it down after the break, and I'll share with you my back and forth with Mr. Briggs. That's next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Mike Opelka here. Before we go any further, let me remind you, if you haven't written the number down, you need to. It is 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. I am a, I'm a Relief Factor user. And I encourage you to call that number, talk to the people about Relief Factor, and get yourself on the Relief Factor bus. It's an all-natural anti-inflammatory that's changed the way I look at the world. But don't take my word for it. Take Stephen's word for it. He's one of the uh, people who doesn't work here, who tried it, and then came in to give us his testimonial. Uh, carrying a lot of heavy loads, uh, a lot of strain on my back, and ended up with two fractured vertebrae. As a result of that, was on a lot of high-powered painkillers. And I've come to know over the years that have listened to Glenn that if it's a product that he endorses and he has on his network, then there's a really good chance that it's that it's something you can trust. And so I said, well, what can it hurt? And within t 10 days to two weeks, I noticed a significant uh, decrease in the amount of pain I felt to where I completely was able to stop taking the hydrocodone. I'm able to cut, practice soccer with my kids and I have young kids. So it's given me uh, a large part of my um, physical uh, life back. Think about that. We just talked about the opioid addiction problem in this country and here's a guy 
who had the problem. He tried Relief Factor. He was able to get off the hydrocodone and get his life back. I got mine back. Thank you, Relief Factor. If you want to know more, go to relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or give them a call, 800-500, what is it, 5354, 800-500-5384. I had the wrong page up. 800-500-8384. Ask them about the three-week quick start pack for 1995. It's called Relief Factor. What a small world, huh? Small world that that came around like that. Uh, I mentioned, I mentioned uh, CNN playing a little fake news game, and uh, it, it's it's the the morning, four o'clock in the morning, and and typically when I get up very early in the morning, I scan the news to make sure the world didn't blow up, and I check the temperature so I know what to wear. Two important things: how do I dress, and did the world blow up? And this morning I learned Dennis Rodman was on his way to Korea and it's going to be hot so I can deal with that. And then I hear CNN talking about the um, the press or the it was a press event that the president had with his cabinet meeting. And this is how the hour started. Weirdest cabinet meeting of all time. President Trump's cabinet secretaries all taking turns to lavish compliments on the president. What? is happening here. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Early Start. I'm Dave Briggs. Well, basically, it's Child Psychology 101 being practiced on a 70-year-old man. It was so weird, I watched it twice, just to make sure that it was as weird as I thought it was. It and it was. I'm Christine Romans. Uh, it is 4 a.m. in the East. Today could be one of the most crucial days yet for the Trump White House. Yeah, and it, it may be. It still may turn out to be one of the most crucial days for the Trump White House. But when I watch television, I expect an anchor, if they're not hosting an opinion program, I expect an anchor to give me the news. I don't expect the anchor to tell me that this is child psychology 101 and being practiced on a 70-year-old man. I happen to think Christine, Christine Romans and, and her regularly rotating anchors are decent people. But this one took me by surprise. This one took me out of the news. And I felt like it was incumbent upon me to say, hold on a second, Dave Briggs. I said, I, I, I don't appreciate what you just did there. I think that's opinion. That's not anchoring. And he said, well, how did you describe it? He actually responded to my tweet. And I said, I found it curious, but like a boardroom scene from The Apprentice. And I said that on my radio show, but I'm not a news anchor. You, sir, are that. I also added to Dave Briggs of CNN, I'm a regular consumer of your early show, and I expect news from you and Ms. Roman. When I want an agenda, I'll go to MSNBC. He responded this morning. This was a back and forth pretty much in public on Twitter saying, thank you for watching, but if it's robots that don't react to the news that you want, I'm afraid you have us wrong. Well, no, I don't have you wrong. Typically, you guys are anchors. Typically, that's all you do is report. And every now and then you giggle about something silly, which is fine. But if you want to be opinion, go be opinion. Join the rest of us here in the opinion sphere. I told him he had a fair point. 
I don't want robots either, but reaction to news and editorializing are different things. And I closed with my trademark statement, the truth has no agenda. Interestingly enough, Mr. Briggs did not mention his his statement about child psychology for the rest of the morning. I consider that a win. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Well, I, I told you, I told you there was a vote. Now I have to see if there's been a recording of the vote that Rand Paul forced in the Senate that actually delayed this uh, this grilling of Jeff Sessions. I have to see if we actually got some of that. Uh, I, I want to see if if we got the right answer, I guess, is what I'm looking for. If we got the, the, the really decent consideration about, about what we're doing with Saudi Arabia and, and what we're going to get from Saudi Arabia. We'll see. But the hearing's about to start, so maybe we'll get a little bit of something out of this. Right now, it's been a whole lot of nothing. And again, if everybody was standing... This, um, this would be a much different situation. The other day I told you I was keeping an eye on MSNBC because I think they're near a meltdown. And we, we gave CNN a little bit of heat today. And I think I need to give uh, our friends over at Morning Joe a little bit more heat because Mika, Mika appears to be unspooling. Mika this morning said that Donald Trump was like a, a five-year-old. Seriously. This actually happened on national television. President Trump once again hinted at the possible existence of taped conversations with former FDI, FBI director. James so, so do you think there are there? Does anybody here think they're taped? No, I think he's dangling this out. You know, like this in, is crazy. Oh, you know God. what this reminds me of? I'm not going to get me of the Beatles. Shrill so, so, or over the top. So the Beatles. I'm just not because it's totally boring. Okay, but it's on. like dealing with a five-year-old. I got a story. And if you, you react to a five-year-old, <laughs> they get worse. I got a story for so you. In- so Mika's thinking that he's like a five-year-old. And, and actually, that statement was yesterday. This morning, Mika woke up, and she's not so much upset about dealing with the five-year-old anymore. Now she's worried. She's actually worried. Just look at our place in the world, and I don't know how, how we withstand an unhinged presidency as some would call it, and still maintain our strategic alliances, maintain the exchange of intelligence uh, between certain allies, which is already being impacted. You look at what uh, uh, the leader of Germany has said about going it alone, basically. This is impacting our place in the world, I think, in a way that's extremely dangerous. And if, if we don't take this seriously and just depend on resiliency, depend on the balance of power to hopefully see us through. I think we're in danger. In danger of what, Mika? And let's go back to some of the insinuations and 
And, you know, this is Mika's opinion. Every time she makes a statement like this, it's fair to say that this is Mika's opinion. This is not, as she is telling us, as some people have said. Listen to the opening here. Just look at our place in the world. And I don't know how, how we withstand an unhinged presidency. As so she said, how do, we, how do we withstand an unhinged presidency? And she realizes, uh-oh, I just called the president unhinged. So she throws in the caveat. As some would call it, and still... Who? Who would call it that, Mika? Who would call that an unhinged presidency? I just would like to know. Because, no, well, nobody on that set's going to call her out. Nobody at all. I'll tell you where the unhingedness is. It's right in your lap, Mika. It's yours. You're the unhinged one. You are. I know, I know, I, I shouldn't say that. But, but she certainly seems to be that way lately, getting more and more unhinged. And I'm getting a little tired of it. We are, um, we're waiting and waiting and waiting, and we're going to maybe see something before we get out of here today. The other thing that I, I think people need to call out more, uh, more of the bad behavior like the Democrats are doing was what happened yesterday with Chuck Schumer. And remember, it was just about the time that the show started yesterday that we actually told you the president had just finished a cabinet meeting where he went around the room and had a couple of different cabinet secretaries address what they were up to. And, and there was some butt kissing. And there, there was, like in any corporation, some people who, who smooched the, the back end a little bit, like Reince Priebus yesterday on behalf of the entire senior staff around you mr president we thank you for the opportunity and the blessing that you've given us to serve your agenda and the american people and we're continuing to work very hard every day to accomplish those goals okay that was a little much you know and but i think tillerson was pretty cut and dried i think nikki haley was cut and dried it was a little bit of rah-rah but you have to have a little bit of rah-rah to keep your team together and so what happened after the little bit of rah-rah? Chuck Schumer decided he was going to go into his office and get a couple of his buddies together on his staff, and they were going to mock the president. And see, this is where I think the Democrats are going to fall down. This is where I think the Democrats are actually going to lose points with the, the middle of the country, the people who could be blue-collar Democrats. It's when you mock the president ruthlessly, endlessly, constantly, that I think the, the American public will get tired of these shenanigans. This was Chuck Schumer and his, his staff's little parody. I want to thank everybody for coming. I just thought we'd go around the room. Lucy, how'd we do on the Sunday show yesterday? Your tone was perfect. You were right on message. Michelle, how'd my hair look coming out of the gym this morning? You have great hair. Nobody has better you hair know, than before you. Before we go any further, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity and blessing to serve your agenda. That's great. <laughs> yeah, they're all, they're all so proud of what they've done. They all think they should be on SNL. And I will tell you, this is going to turn against the Democrats if they keep this up and if they keep doing... Things like Sheila Jackson Lee did yesterday. Sheila Jackson Lee stood up, speechifying, 
and tried to blame every bit of violence in the country on Donald Trump, tying it to Donald Trump. She had pictures. She went on and on and on. This was just a little bit of Sheila Jackson Lee. I remember her from my days in Texas talking about everything that went wrong in the country since the inauguration and how individual acts are blamed on Donald Trump. Uh, these are the pictures of hatred. Uh, this is the individual who killed um, to um, uh, kill the uh, young man uh, that um, um, I don't want to show the wrong picture, but this is uh, a picture of an individual who was engaged in uh, the killing of two individuals, uh, I believe, in Portland, um, uh, Oregon. Doesn't even know what she's talking about. It was the horrific case of the guy who killed the two people who were defending the young girl who was obviously a Muslim and has no idea. She's totally unprepared for this, and yet she pushes forward trying to blame things on Donald Trump. She tried to blame that killing, that jerk on Donald Trump. Because they were trying to defend someone of a different background. Uh, we have a noose found hanging near an elementary school in Washington, D.C. Uh, this is the picture of that. This has all happened since uh, the uh, election of uh, President, uh, um, President Trump. So there was a noose found. Gee, we've never had a noose found. There have never been idiots who would hang nooses up and try and be racist fools. No, that never happened before. But now that Donald Trump's in the White House, we're going to associate every one of these incidents with Donald Trump. We're going to blame all of these on Donald Trump. Oh, wait, there's more. Uh, we have an incident, June 9, 2017, the Washington Post. It says, shut up, slave. A spilled Starbucks drink led to a racist tirade and sidewalk fight. A Starbucks. A problem at Starbucks. Somebody spilled coffee. A racist idiot tried to cause a problem. There was a fight that spilled out onto the sidewalk. And I guess that's Donald Trump's fault, too. Um, I don't know if people are under extreme tension, uh, but this is all happening in 2017. Yes, it is. And where are you talking about the, the spike of murders in 2016 in Barack Obama's hometown? Where are you, where are you on the, the spike of deaths from the opioid addictions in the country? that have been going up steadily in the last five years. Where are you on all of that, Sheila Jackson Lee? You can't pull out three, four isolated cases and just say because it is white on black crime that this is all because of Donald Trump. That's just not even honest. And when we see this Bravo Sierra, we have to call Bravo Sierra. And so for you, Sheila Jackson Lee, I am calling Bravo Sierra. It's just not happening like that. And what you're doing, to me, it's unconscionable. You're ramping up. Why don't you just say you're out to cause some sort of racial divide in this country? The rest of us aren't going to stand for it. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Cannot believe they they just started this hearing and I'm pretty much out of here. I got to get out of here and I will cover the hearing. I will be all over this hearing like a cheap suit. And tomorrow we will drill down into it. Do me a favor in the meantime. Go to theblaze.com and click on the channel section on the far right and subscribe to my channel. Follow my channel. You'll get updates when we do anything here. And that way you'll be able to catch up even when you're you're, uh, not listening live from noon to three or you're not picking it up on the evening replay starting at 10 o'clock after Buck Sexton. So just just join the party. See, I'm trying to get ahead of Doc Thompson. Doc is, uh, he's, he's had a huge head start on me. He's been five days a week for like five or six years. So I need to catch up to him. And I know it's killing him that I'm getting close. But I need you guys to help me out. So we are, uh, we're wrapping up today. I, there's a story I don't know if I can bring it up. It might get me in trouble. It's right on the edge. It's it's right on the verge. It's about some bad behavior at a college in Scotland. The kids, the kids at um, Strathclyde University in Scotland got a, a, a memo emailed from a university spokesperson. Um, apparently, they they got a little problem in in this university. This is one of Scotland's top universities. And the memo says there have been some inappropriate toilet habits happening at the university's technology and innovation center. So you've got the technology and innovation center. Essentially, this is like the MIT of Scotland. This is where all the nerds are. And they're saying that a a great number of the students who go there are from other parts of the world. Parts of the world that may not have the same kind of plumbing we have. And um, people seem to be mistaking the showers and the trash cans for toilets. I'm not kidding you. This is a very modern building. It's a high-rise glass walled building, beautiful technology innovation center opened just two years ago, cost uh, well over $120 million. It's the home of the researchers, engineers, and project managers from academia and industry who will work side by side on projects spanning future cities, manufacturing, health, and energy, except nobody knows how to use a bathroom. Apparently. They had to put out a note to everybody in the school that that said, and I'm going to quote them, so this isn't just me, and I'm not going to use the Scottish accent. Maybe I should. The cleaners are sick of coming across poo and used toilet paper in places it just shouldn't be. And these sentiments that are completely contrary to our institutional values. Apparently, as we mentioned, 
there are a bunch of multicultural citizens from different countries who have different practices. I don't know about you, but the shower has never been a toilet in our house in any place I've ever visited. The shower is not a toilet. This is the prestigious Strathclyde University and their School of Innovation and Technology. (laughs) Dear God, people, what's going on? All right, I'm going to go watch some boring testimony. I'm going to take notes, and we're going to meet back here on Wednesday starting at noon, and we're going to break down everything that Jeff Sessions was quizzed about, and hopefully we'll just be grilling up nothing burgers for lunch tomorrow, and we'll deal with maybe moving forward on things as we have a lot to move forward on. Don't forget to go to Twitter, at StuntBrain, and vote. Place your vote. Should NBC pull that interview with Alex Jones? I don't think so. I think we should see it and and understand more about who this guy is. The same way we should have known who Osama bin Laden was. We should understand what evil is. Not that I'm saying he's evil. He's a jack wagon. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network.